Time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Wednesday edition of Scoops with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin with you, and the Cardinals have won three in a row. We'll take you up until Rivs and BK. They're here at 11. The Cardinals win. Big win last night over Sonny Gray and the Reds, 16-2. They have won now three in a row. Offensive onslaught. Kim looked good. Bullpen was fine. They covered the innings that they had to. Always love hearing from you. 65780. My guest will be Brian Walton. We have that every Wednesday. Talk about the minor leagues. Talk about what may happen next year with the MLB draft and what's happening down in the minor leagues with the St. Louis Cardinals. 65780. 65780. By the way, we were talking about what happens with the um, the situation in the crossover with extra innings. How did the stats work in extra innings? For instance, 314 asking me earn run if a guy scores from second. Kind of shouldn't be on the pitcher. Yeah, it's on the pitcher. Unfortunately, that's how it works. Goes to him. Kind of a tough way to get one, but yeah, that's how it works. So Cardinals win it 16-2. Love to hear from you, 65780. It'll be Johan Oviedo going tonight against Tyler Maley, and you can see that game on Fox Sports Midwest. So Mike Schilt and the Cardinals get to Sonny Gray early. It was a huge night for Brad Miller, huge night for a lot of guys inside that Cardinal lineup. I just think we're, I mean, we weren't going to chase him around. We were going to stay disciplined to just put a good swing on a baseball that we in an area that we liked and and guys were locked into that and didn't give in and that is rip fair off the glove of joey Votto. one run in two runs in and it's a two nothing st louis lead miller off the glove of Votto, and that makes it two nothing cardinals against sunny gray here in the first any question to it you know and there's a there's a grind to it as well that you know we probably hit a little bit. That's <laughs> understandable. As Tony would say, men, not machines. No excuses at all. We don't accept them. You know, there's, I actually felt like our offense had a really good approach coming back and did a really nice job from day one coming back of being able to to figure out a way to have competitive at-bats since the first game back and until, you know, the whole time. And, um, you know, again, you don't always get rewarded in this game. Um, but I've, uh, I very much appreciated the approach, the consistency to the process, and the dedication to to being prepared. Father rips it into right field for a base hit. One run in. Here comes another. The throw to the plate is cut off, and it's a 4-0 St. Louis lead. Dexter ripped it into right field. 4-0 Cardinals here in the first. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was asked um, before one of the uh, national games the other day about Colton, and um you know, how's he doing? You know, he's struggling. I, and I really had to say he's, he's not struggling. And But if you don't get an opportunity to see us play every day and you don't get to see him taking good at-bats and deep counts and, and um, hitting some balls at people and doing all the things that we like to see and, you know, measurably, you know, it, it looks good. <clears throat> you look at the numbers and go, oh, man, you know, what's going on? And you say, well, um, guys taking good at-bats, process is good, and sometimes this game doesn't reward you. <laughs> And, you know, when that's happening, I'm going to always have a tendency to continue to work with the guy and just make sure he stayed with the process and know that the game, you know, it'll come back to you. So I think that's a good example, Brian. 3-1 pitch. 
And Wong rips it for a base hit into right field. One run in. Here comes Dexter. Throw to the plate, not in time as he slides in safely. 6-0 Cardinals. What a start here against Sonny Gray. Six, zip, St. Louis. So before you knew it, two-thirds of an inning, Sonny Gray knocked out. That was shocking to me. I did not see that happening. I don't think anybody in the ballpark saw that happening. Sonny Gray, one of the best pitchers in the game. He's knocked out, and the Cardinals were rolling to a 16-2 win. So some of the numbers from the game last night. Colton Wong, four for four by the fifth inning. By the fifth inning. Fifth time he's had a four-hit game. Matter of fact, he scored four runs. Cardinal leadoff man, he was on base for five times. Five plate appearances. He was hit by a pitch in the sixth. His past two games, and this is big, six for nine, and uh, really needed a turnaround from a homestand in which he only hit 152 over 10 games, so he's getting things going. Four is also the number of doubles for Paul Goldschmidt that he has had in his past four games, which tied a career high in 13 and 14, so he is rolling. And then how about what is going on right now with Brad Miller? He was signed in February. Remember, late signing in February, infield depth, Really just kind of a left-handed option. Could play a little shortstop, maybe play some third base. Occasionally could play the outfield. He'd give you some depth. He drives in seven. The Cardinal hits. They posted season highs in runs, hits, the 23 hits. Most for a Cardinals team since August 22nd of 08 when they had 28 against the Atlanta Braves. 23 hits. Also, a, or, yeah, 23 hits. Also, stadium record uh, by any team at the Great American Ballpark. And then KK, hey, ERA and four starts. He looks awfully good. So the Cubs, they win. That was in extra innings, and that was against the Pittsburgh Pirates, and it came late last night. Ground ball, base hit. Here comes Horner, and the Cubs lead again. It's 8-7. Three-hit night for Ian Happ. And that would be the final 8-7 over Pittsburgh. 21-14 and 14 are the Cubs, so the Cardinals stay three back. And uh, so St. Louis now, you know, you've got a situation where if they win tonight, that would put them four and a half in front of Cincinnati. Milwaukee is five back. The Reds six and a half in the central. Pittsburgh is out of it. The Dodgers, they're five in front of San Diego. In the east, Marcelo Zuna. Three home runs at Fenway, first National League player to do that. And Miami and the Phillies are three out as we play on September 2nd. It was the A's, and you look at the West right now, it's going to be, in my opinion, Oakland and Houston probably making it in that division. And then the White Sox in Cleveland and Minnesota. That is a tight race, but Detroit only three and a half out. We'll see them one more time before the season is through. If you missed it last night, this was really interesting in the Yankee and Tampa Bay game. These two teams do not like each other. Aroldis Chapman came in. He threw a pitch at 101 that barely missed the head of a player at the plate. 101 barely missed his head, and then a strikeout ended the game. Afterwards, Kevin Cash, the manager of the Tampa Bay Rays. It's absolutely ridiculous. It was mishandled by uh, the Yankees. Uh, Certainly the pitcher on the mound. It was mishandled by the umpires. They hit Joey Wendell intentionally in the first inning. It was clear as day. Chapman comes in, he throws three different balls up and in. I get it. They don't like being thrown up and in, but enough's enough. We're talking about a 100-mile-an-hour fastball over a young man's head. It just it makes no sense. It's, it's, it's poor, poor judgment, poor judgment, 
poor coaching. It's just poor teaching what they're doing and what they're allowing to do. The chirping from the dugout. I, I mean, somebody would have to tell me, go pull the numbers, who's hit who more. Uh, but I can assure you, other than the three years ago, there hasn't been one pitch thrown with intent from any of our guys, period. Somebody's got to be accountable. And the last thing I'll say on it is I got a whole damn stable full of guys that throw 98 miles an hour, period. Loved everything he said until the very end. Woo. He said everything until the very end. Mishandled, yep, until the very end. He said, I got a whole stable of guys that throw 98, essentially threatening the Yankees. Interesting. They have a game coming up tonight. Should be interesting to watch what happens coming up uh, later tonight in that ball game in the Bronx. We have got Brian Walton. That's coming up next on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. A Wednesday, and that means it's the chance to always visit with Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. And it comes to you after a game in which a uh, little history was made concerning the Cardinals' offense as they were banging out home runs and Brad Miller's driving in seven. They set the all-time record in runs scored at the Great American Ballpark. Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. As always, Brian, good morning to you. How are things? Hey, great, Dan. It's a lot more fun to talk about a you know a team that scores 16 runs and has you know strung together a little bit of winning streak after you know that stretch of losing four. I, I'll tell you, I, I and I think Jim Edmonds may have mentioned it on the on the telecast last night, but I think that that uh, performance by um, Adam Wainwright, you know, to close the series when the the team had lost four in a row and were reeling, I think was just just huge to you know get the team kind of back on the rails and. You know, once they've got the Great American Ballpark, you know, they're scoring runs. Yeah, that's it was actually something I mentioned. I, I said, you know, the, the, the performance by Wainwright was not only just uh, on an individual basis remarkable, but it just seemed like it got the team back on track. And I, I hate using the term a wake-up call, but it was in a way, wasn't it? I mean, it just, it just got everything back, set back in motion and saying, hey, we got a month to go. Let's let's just give it our best shot, but we we got to play the string out. We got to play, so let's go. Let's do it. And there was some, you know, there was some talk about mental fatigue, and you know, Mike Show was very careful every time to say, "Listen, this isn't an excuse. You know, we got to go out and execute and play the games." But you know, they really needed a lift, and you know, Wainwright gave him the lift. And there are people, I you know, I had some folks, you know, talk, I talked to who were worried about him having thrown 122 pitches. Well, Adam Wainwright's a horse, and he needed to do what he needed to do to help his team win. And I thought it was just a, a tremendous, tremendous performance uh, by a vet, you know, by a, a you know, the, the veteran leader of the team. By the way, where did, where does that one rank for you in, in terms of some of the great performances you've seen him, whether it be, you know, closing out a world series or the Beltron strikeout uh, 23 complete games. He's had some memorable ones, but I, I don't know, man, that, that one's going to rank out the, is one of the top performances I've ever seen him have. It just, I, I just thought it was just an incredible performance by him. Well, and it was the second one in a row. I mean, you think about the performance that he, you know, gave him, you know, coming off the break where he, you know, really set the tone for, a, you know, a team that, you know, didn't let the COVID thing get them down. So, you know, it's not the first time that, that Wainwright has done that this year for the team. And I, I again, 
you know, it's not anything that, you know, you're going to necessarily see when you, you read the stats lines two, three years from now. But, you know, there's been a couple cases here where he's really set the tone for the Cardinals. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just great to see. Let's um, let's get into some of the news of this past week. Okay, the trade deadline is come and gone. Uh, the Cardinals stood pat. There were some moves across baseball. Obviously, the Padres were busy, but just your general thoughts on the trade deadline. What do you think? Well, overall, you know, we didn't see any impact hitters really move. We saw some, you know, role playing type hitters. I mean, the main the main players that moved were were pitchers. But really, you know, like so many other trade deadlines. You know, so many more names were, were discussed than, than, than actually moved. And you know, in the case of the Cardinals, uh, John Mozeliak came in and met with us in the media uh, after the deadline had passed, and he was quite candid about it. He said, listen, we had a lower volume of conversations this year. It's usually much more hectic. But other teams knew that the, the Cardinals weren't, weren't selling, and so it was pretty quiet for him. But uh, – he also talked a little bit about next year. I thought it was interesting. He was asked, hey, well, you know, maybe if you're not going to acquire rental guys, you know, acquire guys maybe that have one more year left in their contract. And he said a lot, there's a lot of questions about what we will look like next year from the financial model perspective. Now, what that meant to me as I read that is, hey, we got to decide if Wainwright and Yachty are coming back because if they're coming back, they're going to take a chunk of payroll. Um, the other thing that he said that I thought was really interesting was he talked about the outfield situation and said that, uh, you know, not surprisingly, what they'd seen so far except for Dexter was disappointing. You know, hadn't met their expectations. But they want to use the rest of the season to see if they can find somebody to get hot and answer the question for them if they have to go external in the offseason. So this is the first time that Mo said, listen, if these guys don't come through, and I'm talking about the O'Neills and the Baders and the Thomases, and, you know, if they don't come through, then the Cardinals are prepared, it sounds like, to look for someone in the trade market like they did with Marcelo Zuna uh, three years ago. Do you think the financial model, though, also some of that question has to be whether or not there's fans in the stands, and, and that's got to be across the board, too? Well, sure, sure. There's no doubt. I mean, we know there's going to be not going to be any stands, you know, people in the stands in 2020. I think they've got to assume, though, that they're going to be in the stands in 2021 because the problem, Dan, is going to be that the free agent market will open up right after the World Series. And, you know, maybe the, maybe the Cardinals will know a little better in, you know, uh, two, two-ish months from now uh, if they're going to have fans, but they may have to gamble like every other team in baseball. You know, is there, you know, is there some type of, uh, you know, uh, uh, medicine that will allow people to be more comfortable to go out in large groups? We may not know that. They're, they're going to have to take some risk. So Brian Walton is uh, my guest, thecardinalnation.com. A great website if you love the minor leagues, you love uh, St. Louis Cardinal baseball, baseball in general, thecardinalnation.com. He's with me uh, every Wednesday. You, you mentioned the outfield depth. Uh, I want to go into Dylan Carlson. What what are, what are your impressions of the outfield depth in general? You touched upon it, but also what you've seen out of Dylan. Just what have you, what have you thought of him? Well, as I said last week, I you know I think I've been most impressed by his even keel, by his approach. You know, he's not let it get frustrating. It's clear that in some cases, you know, he's looking for pitches and he sees something else, and he you know either takes a fastball down the middle or he swings at a breaking pitch doesn't hit it. And, you know, we haven't seen that frustration boil over yet at all. Uh, you know, he did sit last night and, you know, we'll just have to see 
at you know how long the Cardinals are going to continue to play him pretty much every day. Uh, Lane Thomas is back, and you know he's a guy that they haven't got a chance to get a look at. Mike Chilt told us initially that while he's a guy that you know could start definitely, that more like more than likely he's going to be a guy off the bench. Now he did come off the bench uh, on Sunday, but on uh, on Monday, but on Tuesday he actually got a start. So you know we'll we'll have to see where Lane Thomas fits in the playing time uh, in the outfield. But the other thing that I think is interesting, and folks have already seen this, you know Tommy Edmond had played I think in five different positions in six days or something like that. But temporarily, at least, he is the left fielder on his team. And that's not necessarily an ideal configuration, especially if you're trying to sort through these outfielders. But Brad Miller has played so, has hit so well. I mean, he's the cleanup hitter now. And, you know, defensively, it's pretty clear his position is designated hitter. And, you know, as long as Matt Carpenter's playing every day, that means Tommy Edmund doesn't have a place to play in the infield. He's bad in the lineup. And he's got to be in the outfield. And the other thing by Brad being the designated hitter, it closes off the designated hitter at bats for those outfielders. So Tyler O'Neill, you know, he's not going to get a look at designated hitter because Brad Miller is looks pretty much to be your everyday designated hitter right now for good reason. Also with the trade deadline, I want to go back to the roster. Um, they had to get creative with the 40 men in, in terms of what they wanted to do, didn't they? Yeah, the Cardinals, I mean, you know, hey, they had 10 guys uh, affected with COVID at once. And so, you know, they, they had to move guys from the player pool who weren't on the 40-man onto the 40-man. And the good news is Major League Baseball basically allowed deferrals. They allowed teams to go over their 40-man their limit by whatever number of COVID cases they have. The downside of that is when the COVID people cases are ready, guys have to go right back off the roster. And the guys who go off, back off the roster could get claimed by another organization off waivers. Now, they could be traded, but, you know, that's difficult to do. Or they could be released. So what's happening that right now, of those 10 COVID players, six of them are back. With four still to go, Carlos Martinez, uh, Cody Whitley, uh, Ronel Ravello, and Austin Dean. When those four guys are ready, then four other players have to come off the 40-man roster. And we're talking about guys like Meisinger and Roel Ramirez and Chris Matt. Maybe Kaminsky, maybe even Nagowski. Don't know, but you know some of those guys who are guys that the Cardinals would like to keep around to contribute, but they you just you know they can't do it. Um, so John Mozeliak, you know, mentioned he was very honest. He said, "Hey, the pitching depth is is scary, you know, given how this schedule is going, and you know, given that some of these guys are going to have to come off the roster." Did you like the idea of? Um Carlos going back in the rotation, or did you want to see immediate innings out of Carlos Martinez, which they could have done right away? It's hard for me to believe that Carlos Martinez is not one of the best six starting pitchers in the St. Louis Cardinals system. Right. And yeah, yeah, it takes some more time for him to go down and, and work up to be starting, you know, to start. But let's face it, we see the schedule coming. There's seven more doubleheaders. You, you know, I just think the right, I think the right thing to do was to have Carlos Martinez start. Now, you know, maybe I'll change my mind if he gets bombed, but but the reality is if Carlos Martinez is healthy and he's on, you know, he's going to be a much more valuable and important asset to the, key, the team as a starter. You know, we've seen uh, Gallegos come back and look very, very good, you know, out of the bullpen. Now Ryan Helsley's back. You know, they're going to have some options late in the game, and I, but, you know, they don't have a lot of guys that can, can start as well as Carlos Martinez when he's on. 
Anybody that's been listening to me from day one of spring training, they know I'm a fan of Johan Oviedo. He'll go tonight. Um, he has not disappointed me one bit, Brian. How about you? Yeah, yeah, it's been great to see. And, you know, I think the big question about Johan Oviedo, at least from my perspective all along, is, you know, the guy hadn't, you know, really pitched above double A. And so, it, you know, it's a big jump for a guy to go there straight to the major leagues. But the 2021, 2020, excuse me, has created some unique opportunities. And he wasn't the first guy they chose. You know, they, they, they waited a while until they finally decided to pull the trigger. But that also gave him more opportunity to build up his pitch count in Springfield. And obviously they liked what they saw. And, you know, he, he's, he's so far has had two very strong five-inning outings. And I'm sure if the Cardinals get another one from him uh, tonight, they're going to be very, very happy. There's some news concerning the the upcoming 2021 draft. So it's about a year away, but there is some news concerning that draft. That's right. Uh, Baseball America uh, was the first one to report that it appears that the draft is going to be moved from its typical uh, early June date to the second week in July. And that would correspond with the All-Star game and would give the draft potentially a higher profile as well as – not conflicting with college baseball. You know, typically the draft has been right around or during either the Super Regionals or the College World Series itself, and it's really distracting for those teams that are still playing baseball, you know, pursuing national championship when the players are wondering, hey, you know, am I going to get drafted today? Am I going to get drafted tomorrow? So uh, the other fact that, that will allow baseball to probably move it to July is that in the past, teams were motivated to get these players signed quickly and get them playing on short-season teams. And here in the Cardinal system, we're talking about State College, Johnson City, and those teams aren't going to exist in all likelihood in 2021. So there's less of a hurry to, to take the players who were drafted that year and put them right into professional action. Uh, the other thing that they've talked about in the draft is that uh, it will probably be 20 rounds. It could be as much as 30 but it won't be, you know, down to the minimal five like uh, they had this year. So it'll be a more reasonable, uh, probably a 20-round draft in uh, the second week of July of 2021. And I'll wrap it up with this. What are you working on right now at thecardinalnation.com? Hey, we are trying to keep up with all the roster changes and all the implications of that. But if folks come, uh, they can not only read uh, recaps and uh, links to box scores of all the St. Louis Cardinals games going on, but you can also read about all these various roster changes and we're still continuing with our series on uh, where are they now, former Cardinals. Uh, we're looking at past drafts, and we're also looking at minor league history. So there's plenty of other things to read about uh, when you come to the Cardinal Nation as well. Awesome stuff. Thank you, Brian. Take care, Dan. That's Brian Walden every Wednesday. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. That is Rip Fair off the glove of Joey Votto. One run in, two runs in, and it's a 2-0 St. Louis lead. Miller off the glove of Votto, and that makes it 2-0 Cardinals against Sonny Gray here in the first. Yeah, I think the biggest thing it takes is is obviously a bunch of quality at-bats in a row. You know, a bunch, and I thought that was probably the best string of at-bats, you know, maybe we've had all year in that first inning with, with the caliber of Sonny. Um, he attacks you. He comes right at you with two plus pitches, and a lot of times it's you know on the corners. <laughs> They're not quality pitches to hit, but you know once he once he comes in there, 
um, I think you got to try to try to move something because he does such a good job throwing it where he wants it. So um, I think obviously he pitches guys, you know, maybe a little bit differently, lefties versus righties, you know, Colton versus, you know, Tommy versus myself. But I just think everybody really picked out a good pitch and was able to lay off the, the stuff that he wanted us to chase. Miller hits it out to deep left. It's at the wall, and it's gone. It sneaks over the wall, an opposite field home run. 8-0 Cardinals. Aquino went back just over the wall. The home run for Miller, his third of the year, a two-run shot. 8-0 St. Louis. There is obviously an element of just kind of getting back on your feet and moving around, which we, they did a really good job with us back in, in Bush. It was definitely weird. Um, you know, practicing in little 20, 30 minute increments. But um, once I feel like you're kind of back on your on your feet, I think it's really, I mean, you saw in Chicago with the, the White Sox series, it's just like, hey, get in there, <laughs> you know, really, you know, you're kind of playing with house money, you know, and just get in there and compete. And you, you kind of don't really think about anything, which for hitting, I think is, is actually a positive when you're not thinking. So. Yeah, it's just strapping it on and, and going and competing. And Miller launches one down the right field line. Oh. It's gone off the foul pole. He's done it again. And this one, a two-run homer for Miller. His fourth hit of the night and his second two-run bomb. Have a night, Miller. He is driven in seven on the night. Seven runs batted in for Brad Miller. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. Seven runs batted in. Brad Miller, 1043 here in St. Louis. What a night, huh? I like what he said there, playing with house money, and I think that's what they're doing as a team. Twice shut down because of COVID. Um, and right now they are playing with house money and having a little fun. You just don't think. You just go play. And John Mosellock has said that multiple times, just going out and they're just happy to be playing baseball and now getting into the rhythm of the season. The starters starting to get stretched out with all the doubleheaders are going to need them to be stretched out. Now you get Helsley back last night. Wasn't overly sharp, throwing hard, but not overly sharp, but get his feet under him. Who knows? They're in second place right now in the Central Division. Just get in. You never know. Uh, the 314 on the Air Comfort Service text line. Danny Mac, Brad Miller has to be the most surprising player on this team. MVP, who knows at this point? Not the MVP. Paul Goldschmidt, MVP. No one pitches to him, and when he does get pitched to, he's hitting doubles. Or he hits a home run. Or he gets single. Or he gets hit by a pitch. Most surprising player on the team might be Brad Miller, though. I didn't anticipate him playing this much. Remember, when we started the season, there was no designated hitter. Now you got the DH in play. And he's a left-handed bat with power, and he's got to play every day now. It's got to be your DH. And when I saw that they signed him, I thought he'd be a, a fine signing. I didn't anticipate this. OPS is in, what, the top 15, top 20 right now in baseball. There are big names that aren't even close to what he's doing right now in baseball. It's been great. Keep, throwing, keep running him out there. Um, it's been fun. It's been fun to watch. So playing with house money, I love the way that he put that. Um, now they got to figure out the outfield situation. Dex plays every day, right field. Who plays center? Who, who's going to play left? Is it Edmund every day? Who's in center? Got to get Carpenter going. That's something that's got to happen. Got to get going. 
Well, and I was thinking about this, Dan. So Wong had that 0 for 11 stretch, and then he was, he's was he been money in this red series so far. Brad Miller was 0 for 10. He had seven RBIs last night. Carp's been pretty cold, waiting for this to come out for him now. He's next, right? He's got to be. Been a while. Drawing a lot of walks. Runs batted in coming into the series over the weekend. I think it was on Sunday. He was leading the team and runs batted in with a grand slam. Now, I know he's working on a few things, but we say that all the time. Run out of time. Got to get going. And so there's only so many spots. Edmonds got to play. Tommy's starting to hit. So he's your third baseman. DH spot is Brad Miller. Not going to put Carp in the outfield. So he's got to get going. And if one of the outfielders gets going, he's got to play. You ride the hot hand. Um, Cardinals, some of the numbers from last night. Every Cardinals starter got on base at least once. Every starter had at least a hit on Tuesday night. Every position player that made an appearance reached base. It was fun. We'll see Oviedo go tonight. He's 0-1, ERA just over three, so he takes the spot of Daniel Ponce de Leon, earned that spot in the rotation. He's had two solid doubleheader starts. Series finale, Tyler Malley will go for the Reds. He's 1-1, ERA 3.91, and the first pitch scheduled for 5.40 Central Time. And again, you can see that on Fox Sports Midwest, the pregame at 5, and we cross it over, Ribs and BK next on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. BK, they're coming up next, and this is the crossover on 101 ESPN. I'm excited. You guys have a, you got the big rig coming up, huh? Yeah, we got the big rig, baby, coming off uh, another double overtime scenario where the big rig, who I think it hit him in front of the net, but either way. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They win. They're on to the uh, Eastern Conference final now. Are they the team to beat, you think? At this point, absolutely. Yeah. I think they were a team that you looked at initially and said, "Ah, this is a team that could be there, but there was always the Boston Bruins in the way. Now the Bruins are gone, man. I I think it's Tampa. I worry about the Islanders. They're a team that, much like the Blues last year, they work really hard. They're really well coached. They they play really hard for each other. They could be a speed bump, but I think this Lightning team's going at least to the Cup final. And now that these teams are over the hump of teams that hadn't been there before, and you've gotten over the hump of just being in the bubble, now it's like, hey, we've come this far. You know, the heck with it. Let's just go play. Let's go play and let's win, and we'll be with our families in a few weeks, so let's go do it. Let's go win. Yeah, 100%. I mean, at this point, you've sacrificed everything up to now. I believe that the NHL is is certainly toying with the idea of letting families be a part of it mm-hmm. once they get to either the conference final, certainly the Stanley Cup final, allowing those families, a small number of the family, to come into the bubble. They'll be tested. They'll follow the same protocol so it's not, you know, there's not that much runway ahead of them now to get back to zero. You know, Light at the end of the tunnel. A kind little of bit of normalcy in the future. What else is coming up, BK? What do you got, buddy? We got a lot today, man. We got Pierre Maguire coming up at 1120. We've got Danny Mack, the one and only, oh, coming yeah. up at noon. And Chris Kerber will join us coming up at 130. I want to hear from you, though, since we got a couple of minutes left. Yeah. Is this the end of Matt Carpenter being an everyday? No, not yet. Um, I will be interested, though, in the lineup today because 
You've won the first two games of this series. You've won now three in a row, and you got an off day with five coming up at Wrigley. So it's kind of like in baseball where you, you, you it's a two-for-oneer kind of thing, mm-hmm. and you can play maybe some of the guys that need a little. Well, first of all, you get your veterans a little rest, and you put the guys that maybe need some time to play. You got an off day tomorrow. Then you go back with the regulars on Friday and say, let's go get them. Now, on the flip side, you're running out of time, right? So you, you got to play the guys that are going to get you there to the finish line. But it's a balancing act if you're Mike Schilt. So I'll be really interested in the, the uh, lineup. But I know where you're going with this. Carpenter did have a hit yesterday, took the ball the other way. I mean, everybody did. Um, <laughs> literally, everybody had a hit. Um, but, yes, I understand what your your point is. And I just talked about it going into break. Um, it, it depends if somebody steps up. To, in the outfield because Miller's your DH Edmonds got to play if he's going to play he's going to be at third base so where where does Matt Carpenter play he's got to get something going here I just feel like at this point you got better defense there with Edmond yeah you got the better hitter there with Miller at the DH spot sure I, I don't I, I love Matt Carpenter and I want him to be able to be a part of this I understand where you're going it looks like this is going to be a pretty good team moving forward I just don't I think it's not their best lineup to have him out there every day. I it does though require somebody in the outfield. Somebody else out. has to step up. Yeah. Now if it's Carlson, if it's O'Neill, if it's Lane Thomas, if it's Bader, one of the things you can do too is at the tail end of games if you're leading is to get those younger guys at bats. You've come this far in his career and this year already with Carpenter. You start with them, then you get the at-bats later. There's ways to do it. I just don't know how they're going to play it out. We'll see. Do you think you give Carlson one more day off? Allow him kind of three days to rest his... That's a good question. Uh, Maybe you do. But I think if you you brought him up at this point, you give him another run. But maybe it's a three-day rest, a little mental break, and then get him going again at Wrigley. Kind of like to see that. A little bit of a reset here. I don't know if Schilt had told him that prior to, but it it almost would have probably been smart to say, hey, we're giving you the next three days. Get get your mental space correct. Get yeah. yourself back on track and That's a great point. Take a few good swings. And get yourself back into where you need to be. Because I I don't think he's that far away. It just the results haven't been there yet. And he was okay over the weekend. I did not like the at bats that he took the other night. So we'll see. We'll talk about it coming up. I'm on at noon. Uh, yeah, you'll be on with us. <laughs> Love it. Okay, I've got it in. My, I'm penciling it in. Pencil it in. All right, guys, looking forward to it. Scotty, great job. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 10. I'll talk to you guys at noon. This is 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.